to the Big Brand Hack, where we deconstruct what big brands do, so smaller businesses and brands can do it too. Now, of course, the budgets will be a bit different, but we are aiming for the same big results. My name is Serene Long, and I was a former creative director turned entrepreneur. And I realised, you know, lots of small businesses and entrepreneurs don't have the kind of branding knowledge that's proven so useful for me. And that's why I started The Big Brand Hack. So today's topic is about how do you choose the face and voice of your brand? You know, given that now we're in this age of social media superstars, top influencers and key opinion leaders. Speaking of which, we actually have a key opinion leader here, and his name is Kelvin So. He is an executive creative director. Welcome, Kelvin. Tell us a bit about yourself. Thank you for having me, sorry. Um, a bit about myself. Katong uh, boy, grew up, uh, didn't go to school very much, uh, got into advertising, uh, did quite well in advertising, um, was voted uh, number one in Asia, uh, then left and went to New York as the youngest creative director and then came back as the youngest uh, Asian head of, of any Asian network. Um, uh, and then ultimately, I left uh, and became a full-time dad uh, to prepare my children and my family. I mean, the question I asked was, and it's quite similar to what SMEs are going through, which is if there's industry 4.0, then why is family 4.0? Why is education 4.0? So I left and I created uh, One Kind House, which is an urban farming home uh, with an innovation lab uh, attached for the kids uh, to reinvent both myself, my family, my, my mom. My mom, who is now 76, is a, um, the most popular cooking host on Airbnb experience now. Okay. Family 4.0. Family 4.0. I, I, I think you you can't, the lesson, part of the lesson is you can't keep doing things the same way when the environment has changed so quickly. That's true. And, and I understand the fears and the 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 restrictions and the, the insecurities that we all feel. It's the same for business. Here's this model that has worked before. Why should I change to something that hasn't worked? And we don't know whether it will or not. The, the reality is if you don't, you know the technology is marching on and the change is going to happen anyway. So either you're, you're keeping up with the times or you're being left behind. True that. So today, uh, to really add value to our, our smaller businesses, um, we will be discussing Nike's 30th anniversary brand campaign, Dream Crazy. Uh, this particular campaign actually garnered loads and loads of awards in the advertising world including a non-advertising award, which is the Emmys, which is much more prestigious, of course. But what is so interesting about this particular campaign is that they chose the very controversial quarterback, Colin Kaepernick, as its face. Just to give a bit of a backstory about Kaepernick, maybe Calvin can tell us a bit about him. Okay, very simple. Nike would always champion all these top-class athletes. For the first time, They've championed this athlete who knelt during the uh, national anthem when, uh, whenever it was played during a game in protest of how people of minorities were treated in America. Yes, right? that's right. Police brutality. All of that. Uh, yeah, right. that's right. Then he got kicked out from his football team. I mean, he was very talented, got kicked out. Um, so it was a very unusual move for Nike to then use him as a spokesperson. That's very true. And um, he's caused such controversy to the extent where Donald Trump got into the action yeah. as well. He tweeted that NFL should fire such players. 
And indeed, when uh, Kaepernick's contract was up, no team dared to sign him up. And he was actually not in a single NFL game for three whole years. Correct. So yeah. you, you can imagine why it was such a brave move for Nike. I mean, this is like picking up someone whom the rest of the sporting world has discarded and refused yes. to touch with a 10-foot pole. And the world's biggest sports brand goes like, you, I want you to front this campaign because you stand for something. That's so it was right. a big, brave move. And it was so brave that, you know, it had to go up to the founder, Phil Knight, to actually approve this idea. Because That's this right. has a huge impact once yes. it runs. They, they knew that if it ran, it would create a lot of controversy. Yes, talking about the controversy, I believe the campaign started with a tweet from Kaepernick. You know, it was the headline of the campaign, Believe in Something, Even If It Means Sacrificing Everything. Hashtag just do it. And the reaction was absolutely unprecedented. People on social media were burning their Nikes. Nike stock the next day was down 3.2%. And the hashtag Nike boycott began trending. Correct. So it was quite divisive. You have Fox News pushing the agenda and say that's uh, Nike is a bad brand and anti-American. And uh, people were filming uh, themselves burning the shoes. That's right. Okay. So if you are any brand, you'll be like, oh my God, I'm, my, my share price has been hit. Things are tanking. But you also forget that uh, there are always two sides to a story. And the other thing that we all learn from Donald Trump is that any kind of conversation, any kind of social media reaction is good. So as much as you burn your shoes, it's still advertising it for Nike. Yes. In fact, when the dust settled, Nike calculated that they earned $163 million in earned media they increased their brand value by six billion bucks, and they boosted their sales by thirty-one percent. Correct. Now, branding is definitely, uh, you know, a tool you got to have in your arsenal if you want to impact your bottom line in a big way. You know, I used to sit on the board of the Innovation Productivity Board, so I dealt with a lot of SMEs, and a lot of these questions would pop up. We go, oh, they have money, they have a big brand. You put all of that aside, the principles behind getting noticed are the same, True. right? I mean, if you think about it, you, you have to stand for something as a brand. If you don't stand for something, people don't know why I should like you. You shouldn't be afraid of standing for something that might antagonize certain people because you can't be for everyone. If you have a marketing brief that says, my product, I want to sell to everyone, then you actually don't no marketing that well. You have to be very clear who you're selling to. And then in this day and age of, of social media, if you're an SME, you don't have, you're right, you don't have billions of dollars to spend like Nike does. Nike didn't spend billions of dollars on this campaign. They, they had a story that in itself was highly combustible. And when you have that, then you get a lot of earned media. Yeah, which is 163 million yeah. to be exact. Yeah, imagine if, if they came up with a boring story, you have to spend, theoretically, $163 million to get it noticed. But earned media doesn't happen when you do boring stories. You have to do a story that is uh, close to what people are thinking or talking or acting on. Okay, So that was a topic that was trending and was very top of mind at the moment. Yes. So those are things that you can use your, to your advantage as an SME to make sure that your work, your advertising or your communications uh, get noticed. 
Yes, and I'd like to add to that point. When you want to pick a site, you have to make sure that it is something that your brand deeply and almost personally stands for. Can't, it can't just be picking a site for the sake of and then switching sites when it's convenient. Yeah. It can't be. Yeah. A lot of times it's really from the founder themselves. It's their personal values which translate to the values of the brand. In fact, Nike is no stranger to social activism. As far back as 1988, they already were taking a stand. I think the first Just Do It campaign was against ageism, which was hot at that point. And it featured Walt Stack. He was an 80-year-old runner in 1988 who did 17 miles every morning. Mm. And post that first Just Do It campaign, Nike sales actually tripled. So, some of the questions I would like uh, smaller businesses and entrepreneurs to ask yourself is what does your brand stand for? What do you believe in? What's your vision, mission? What are your values? Some of the questions you can ask when you're thinking about whom could be the face of your brand could be who do you admire? Who personifies your brand? So on this particular topic, especially about vision and mission, you might also like to check out one of our other uh, podcast episodes, which is episode Volvo. I mean, as we all know, Volvo has uh, been standing for safety for a long, long time. So you can get more about that in that episode. But coming back to Nike, the other thing that Kelvin very rightly said was about uh, about your audience, right? Got to know who your audience um, actually is. And Phil Knight, co-founder and CEO of Nike, actually said, it doesn't matter how many people hate your brand as long as enough people love it. He said, you can't be afraid of offending people. You can't try and go down the middle of the road. you got to pick a side. Yeah, you will always offend people. And in this day and age of social media, the stupidest, smallest thing you say will offend people, will trigger people. So you can't go through life going like, oh, I'm afraid to trigger people and, and I'm afraid to cause a controversy. You just have to go through life going, this is what I stand for and this is what I will continue saying and talking. Now, if some controversy comes along, then let's learn to deal with it in a constructive, collaborative way, mm. right? But I think this is a change in attitude because in the past, advertising was very one way. Mm. You just advertise mm. and I, it's a very top-down, I tell you what my message is. I don't care about your feedback. Now, with social media, it obviously now has... Well, it's not just social media. It's just the internet has given power to the consumer. So the customer, in this case, has uh, as much say in the brand as you do. So to your point, if Nike goes, oh, I'm all about female empowerment, but then all their board members and all their uh, endorsers and all are all men, then you know they don't live up to it and they will get found out very easily. Yes. Right? Yes. And people are not holding back, mm. right? Those kind of cases, you can't defend yourself because you say you are this, but your actions say something else. So a key part of how we market ourselves now is in the past, you can say whatever you, you, you are and people buy it. But now you also have to be whoever you are. So the brand is not who he says he is, but the brand is the sum of its actions. Yes. That's the difference now. True. 
Well, the good thing about digital advertising um, is also that actually brands do have a lot more intel in terms of uh, you know their target audience. Who's of actually course, there's a lot uh, of data listening. floating there's around. There's so much data, yeah. and I believe that you know before Phil Knight actually gave the AOK to this campaign, they must have looked at the, uh, the data. And you, we, we all know that, you know, Nike has a significant number, other than millennials that they appeal to, they also have a significant number of African-Americans, Hispanics and Asians who are generally aligned and in support of the Calpinic movement. Correct. Yeah, so I, I don't know what kind of uh, audience research they did, but given that it was the biggest brand campaign for their 30th anniversary, which could really backfire. I'm quite sure they would have had the data analytics to help them predict what they think would have happened. Right. And uh, in case of bad PR, what is their contingency plan? What are the messages they will send out? Yeah, yeah. I, I just think um, for SMEs, you can't say, oh, I don't know. These are all big tools that only big agencies and companies have. No. Not true. Not true because you can find this data easily. Yes. You can go Google Trends, uh, various websites out there like Answer the Public and you can find out what um, people are thinking of and trend and, and all. The, the information is there. Yeah. So it's, it's not like it isn't there. Yeah, there's so many platforms whereby the data is really democratic. Everybody, even the big brands, get the same kind of data. You know, you talk about the Facebook advertising data, the Google Analytics. You have access to it. Other than that, the other treasure trove that you have is your customers. Just pick up the phone and speak to them, ask them, send them a survey, even if it's by snail mail. But if you can do a survey monkey, why not? There are so many ways to get the data that you need to really get to know your audience better. Yeah, I, I would say that's one thing a lot of the SMEs aren't good at, which is they've been very good at, let's say, selling their product, but they've not been very good at collating, collecting, and, and examining the data from their customers. Yeah. So one of the things that our smaller businesses and entrepreneurs can look at is to know more about their audience, find out who they are, what do they believe in. That's crucial, the beliefs part. As you can see, this whole campaign was about beliefs, right? Have you guys actually written up a customer persona? What about a customer journey map? Yeah, and don't look at customers in the old way, like stereotypes. Oh, PMEBs and PMETs. Yeah, and demographics. Demographics. Because the demographics don't matter so much as psychographics now. Yes. If you look at the campaign for Nike, this whole thing about um, rights and all, is not a young person, old person thing. It's an every person thing. It's a mindset mentality that you're targeting. And that's why Nike's so successful. If they were the kind where they go, oh, my customers are this age group and this age group, then you won't have this situation in a hawker centre in Singapore where an eight-year-old could be wearing a Nike and an 80-year-old uncle who's, who's in a hawker could be wearing a Nike and they're okay with each other wearing the brand. Yes. Because it's it's a mindset, that it's a belief system where they look at each other, okay, we all buy into this just-do-it thing, this inner athlete and this being stronger than uh, you think you are rather than, oh, it's only for a 20-year-old kid. Yes, psychographic. So yeah. do look into that. The other thing that Calvin said, which I picked up on, is that whatever message that you're sending out needs to reflect the times. And I wanted to point to this uh, quote that I found. It says, All of the best advertising is reflective of the Z guys of the times. And the Z guys of today 
is a divided America. So this guy, of course, is uh, from America. David Hollander, an assistant dean at New York University Tisch Institute Tisch. for mm -hmm. Global Sport. So he says, It's no secret to anyone that we're in an extremely tense time. And it's the job of marketers to translate that into the movement of their product or service. So I have some questions that you can ask yourselves. For your industry, what's trending? What are the big shifts that's happening within your operating landscape? What are your customers or potential customers talking about in this day and age? What is the deep need that you can fulfill? So maybe I'd like to uh, just to make sure, you know, this is an actionable episode because at the end of the day, all we want to do is really to make a difference to entrepreneurs and smaller businesses out there. To summarize, there are three key things that you need to think about when it comes to choosing the face and voice of your brand. Number one, authenticity. Does this person reflect who your brand and company is? Does he or she share your brand values? Number two, your target audience. Does this person appeal to your audience? Does he or she speak to their beliefs and values? And finally, number three, sign of the times. Is this person of interest today? Is he or she trending? Calvin, any uh, other things you want to add to you know, round off this episode? My advice is this. The business that you start now may not be the business you end up with. right? If you look at Amazon, Amazon started as a book delivery business. They're not in the delivery business. Uh, a book business now. Yep. Iterate, iterate, iterate. Yeah, iterate Fail fast, yes. right? Well, yeah. I mean, we in Singapore, here's the other thing. We we have this uh, stigma to failure. We think, oh, failure is bad. In in the other countries where you see a lot of innovation, they teach you, they teach failure as part of success. That you, to succeed, you actually have to fail. So it's necessary to fail. We want the strike the lottery, win first prize kind of approach, which is without failing, I succeed straight away. That's never going to happen. Very true. Now, thank you, Kelvin, uh, for spending this time with us. Your valuable insights, fantastic. And to the listener, thank you for listening. I hope you got a ton of value. And, you know, if you want to see the Nike's Dream Crazy film and get the podcast transcript, just go to bigbrandhack.com. Just my way of sharing and giving back. And, you know, if you want to return the favour, I would be most grateful if you could subscribe on any of the major podcast channels and leave the Big Brand Hack a positive review. So signing off, uh, this is Serene Dong with my guest, Kelvin So. Thank you, Kelvin. Thank you for having me.